Welcome to the Marketing in the Wild podcast. I'm Julia from Stratus Creative Marketing, where we are obsessed with finding real life in the wild stories about business and marketing. Everybody, today we're um, interviewing Therese. We're going to be talking about her business. Um, As you all have known for the past few months, we have been interviewing different business women with unique businesses. And Therese fit the bill. Um, A friend of mine nominated her and she's agreed to be on our podcast. So Therese, tell us about you, where you're located, and just like a snippet about your work. Yes. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be on. So my name is Therese. I own the business called Tricky Foods, which is a charcuterie board business, grazing table, charcuterie workshop, the whole thing in Madison, Wisconsin. Awesome. Um, So it begs the question, how did you even get into this? Like, tell me more. Yeah. So I always fit the story back in 2018. So that's when I graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater So I didn't go to Madison. I was in Whitewater. I moved to Madison to work at a place called Epic, which is Mm -hmm. a medical software charting company. And so, uh, yeah, if you're from this area, you know, you, you know, (laughs) you just know about Epic. So yeah. Yeah. And for those who don't, it's like a good time for a short time. You'll like, love it. It's like, you know, for every year you're there, it feels like three years. It's just a lot of work. And it was my whole life. So after about two years, I was like, wow, I really, I hate my life. Like I'm traveling all the time. I'm literally crying on the way to work. I'm like, I, I have no balance in my life. Mm-hmm. So I decided to put in a six week notice, which is like, you have to put at least a month notice at this place. So me going above and beyond and put in a mm-hmm. six week notice or whatever. So four weeks after that, the pandemic happened. I'm like, oh crap. It was like, you know, three weeks after that, we were joking about Corona. We're like, ha, Corona and Lyme, like virus. Mm-hmm. You know, it was that early. Yeah. And then by week four, my, I had two weeks left. Um, we were all working from home. So I said goodbye to all my coworkers over. Oh, you know, that's and, so sad. Yeah, it was sad. And I was basically living alone at that time too. Mm-hmm. It's a longer story, but my, my roommates, one decided to move out when the pandemic happened and the other wasn't really there. So I'm now going into unemployment because the jobs that I had been applying for, they were all on hold. They were all on freezes. Mm-hmm. What was happening? And then I entered the pandemic without like any idea what I was going to do next. My original plan was to just have fun, travel, yeah, whatever, and get my life back. That was my yeah. thought. So then with all that time, I'm like, crap, we're going to dive on nothing that I love. Like I need to act now. What am I going to do? So this is also when everyone was on Instagram like crazy because we're all sitting at home. Right. Phones. So I just took a little course on how to use your Instagram to kind of like start a business. Mm-hmm. And then I started to see the charcuterie board trend in other states. So I reached out to people in Texas, Florida, uh, Massachusetts, you know, anywhere that wasn't here. Mm-hmm. There really wasn't anyone in this area. There was one other girl in the state that I found that was a couple hours mm-hmm. away. And so we all kind of formed a little friend community online. And I was like, oh, this looks so easy. I bet I can make so much money was my thought. <laughs> I, let me take a step back. though. Okay. So food is my deepest passion. So I wasn't okay. just like, trying to felt like pull a business out of my butt. It was Uh like, I was at home all the time and I was cooking for myself, of course, and styling my food because it's like, well, what else are you going to do in a day where you have nothing else on your (laughs) to-do list? So I had styled like one cheese board and I 
then I was like, oh, I should start a business. But I had had my Tricky Foods Instagram account for five years at this point because I was already documenting food that I was making. Okay. Uh, food. It was like healthy food that I was mm-hmm. making super pretty so I could enjoy yeah. it more because it wasn't yeah. as, you know. Tasty. Yeah. I mean, I was like, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like buttered butter and cheese. It was paleo. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start taking pictures of charcuterie boards and I'm going to start selling them. Like, why not? Uh-huh. So I didn't have a name. I'm like, Tricky Foods Works. Mm-hmm. My friends were like, oh, that sounds like icky foods or sticky foods. <laughs> like, whatever. It's no big deal, guys. So then I bought like $500 worth of just like cardboard boxes, little bamboo bowls, and I started making charcuterie boards. So I just made a giant board. I took a picture of it, broke it down to make a smaller board, take a picture of it, broke that down to make a smaller. So I used all the same ingredients to make my first four boards. And then I just gave it all to my downstairs neighbor. Cause again, like I'm not having any gatherings at this point. Uh-huh. And so I just posted that I'm selling a charcuterie board. So my first 10, 15, 30, 50 clients were friends or friends of friends, yeah. all just amping me up, posting on social media. We were trying to create this like, uh-huh. like you have to get a piece of this vibe. Right. And then it started, it was kind of a wave from there. It wasn't mm-hmm. a big wave all at once, but a steady mm-hmm. wave where I I thought this thing could have yeah. some traction. And so that was June of 2020 that I sold my first board. And since then we've sold thousands. Like I don't count anymore just because once I got to a thousand, you know, now we have some people placing bulk orders of over a yeah. hundred. So it's That's like, awesome. I don't need to count anymore. <laughs> um, but it's not just me anymore. It's me and four really super part-time employees. Um, and then we've also expanded our product line because since the pandemic, the things people want are different. Uh-huh. So we have, you know, bigger sizes. We've gone from just selling boards to catering, giant uh-huh. tables, and then not just virtual classes, but in person. So that is how the business stands today. That's what we're doing. And that's kind of, that's how I got into it. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, really... You left a job and started a business during the one of the hardest years on record. So good for you. Yeah, it was. This is a business so that if it wasn't for the pandemic, I wouldn't have done it because my yeah. plan was, and I, I enjoyed corporate. I just didn't like mm-hmm. that specific job. I planned to have fun, travel, and then get back to corporate life. I was going to move back to Milwaukee. Uh-huh. And then by the time my business had legs, the pandemic was, we we're just getting things open again. And it was like, I'm not going to leave this now. It's too mm-hmm. good here. So I would have, I would have just gotten back into my busy life. And that stillness got me yeah. thinking about what I really want in life and just That's taking really action cool. and building confidence to do that. Well, and I feel like that even, first of all, like, you're right. People were bored. So they were like, it was like the perfect time in that regard to start doing Instagram style, like styling for charcuterie. Also, you are in a state that loves its cheese and Preach. Amen. a city that loves a charcuterie board. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like one of the best parts because this trend, I mean, it took off all around the country. A lot of mm-hmm. people started this business, but my edge is like, I'm in Wisconsin, Wisconsin-based businesses. Eventually, I'd like to only use Wisconsin cheeses. Uh-huh. And so it's like, it makes sense. Just like cheese curds at yeah. Culver's makes sense. Actually, I don't know if all your viewers are from Wisconsin. So I don't they're know. They're not, but it's okay <laughs> because I love Culver's. And if you don't know that they have cheese curds and Culver's, then you need to get a life. So yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell me, like, what is it that you love about doing this? 
there's a lot of different things. I mean, at the beginning, it was like a creative expression for me. Mm-hmm. But now that I've scaled it and everything is super specific, it's not as creative as it is managing the mm-hmm. business, managing working with other people, managing bigger contracts, clients. It's mm-hmm. more of the business management, but I actually, believe it or not, enjoy the business part yeah, more than the actual being in the kitchen part at this point, just mm-hmm. because it's, they're completely different skills. Mm-hmm. But I prefer the, the business part. Well, it makes sense though, because you also enjoyed corporate. So like, yeah. there is some like transferable things there that like, if you enjoyed that kind of work, like the business, like working on the business is also going to be like up your alley. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because they're completely different skills. Mm-hmm. And I recently read a book this past summer that was just like, you are not your business. And mm-hmm. for your business to grow, you can't be in it mm-hmm. every day. But I guess when I think about why I continue to do it, any day I'm having a bad day. And like, let me tell you, when things get really, really busy, I it feels like I'm back in Epic again, where I'm mm-hmm. working 16 hour days. I'm exhausted because now I'm, there's that physical component of mm-hmm. being in a kitchen on your feet all day. But for me, it's the complete flexibility where unless it's like an event that starts on a certain time, well, then it's like stressful because like rain or snow, for example, this wedding still has to happen. Right. But on my days where it's not that intense, you know, I'm year three into the business. So every day isn't that intense. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think I'm just going to go to Florida in a couple of days. Like (laughs) I can do this work from home or being able to take, my goal is eight weeks of vacation a year, which is like... Yeah, you can't get that in corporate. And of course, like my phone, I'm able to do business at any time. Like even when I was stretching today with yoga at home, I'm like looking at emails, you know, I call that bad or good, but it's like my business and personal life are all kind of intertwined, which gives me complete Mm -hmm. flexibility to have a day off. If Mm -hmm. say my sister has a child, which Mm -hmm. she did a couple of weeks ago. Awesome. Yeah. And it's just so fun to be able to be there for those moments. I mean, when I was Mm -hmm. in corporate, if something happened and, and there were things that happened while I was there, it was like the stress of mm-hmm. trying to get someone to cover you while you're out mm-hmm. in that environment was yeah, yeah not Especially not great. that environment. So yeah. if you know, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'd be curious, like we obviously we talk about business on this podcast. We also talk about marketing. What are some of the things that you... Like to me, like hearing the beginning of your story, it sounds like a lot of like your initial marketing was very grassroots, like friends helping friends of friends. Um, What are some things that you have found that you have worked for you? I would say from a marketing perspective, this business is still really grassroots. Mm -hmm. So I'm still using Instagram, which is... It's very complicated if you're not mm-hmm. on it constantly. So my time on Instagram is half of what it used to be. And mm-hmm. you can tell because the algorithm doesn't pick you up as much. You're not getting as many followers. It's a little bit more difficult. I've done a couple paid ads on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, for me, because this is a super local business, it's kind of connecting with the other local businesses and doing mm-hmm. giveaways or just like being in the same places where they are or being at those events where people are tagging you. It's a lot of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I've done. I haven't really spent any ad dollars mm-hmm. anywhere else, but I would yeah. like to. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I would like to in the future, but I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing is I don't think the business has the infrastructure where it's like, if I'm getting huge, huge, huge orders all the time, I don't really have what it takes to always keep up. So like, I'm really focusing on building the business and getting a storefront so that mm-hmm. we can take that type of demand. And then marketing is more of a forefront, but mm-hmm. a lot of our customers are repeat and a lot of them mm-hmm. are corporate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can just go above and beyond for those people and see them come back and back and back again. For me, that's what I enjoy. It's like taking care of the current customers over working to acquire new ones as hard at at this point at year three, that's like where my, my head's at. Well, and I would imagine um, that even like being at weddings or having corporate events, all those attendees like are also could be customers. So like mm-hmm. even like you're providing like an experience for them. And so if they're enjoying that experience when you go above and beyond, they also will become either advocates or fans um who could also become customers. Yeah, definitely. And like from from other marketing things we've done, you know, we all have a newsletter every once in a while. But for me, what I've found is that I love sales more than I like marketing, meaning like I like to Mm -hmm. go after one big customer or take care of really good of like one customer instead of marketing to thousands or hundreds of people, however many people are on your email or Instagram. I like to speak to those one people, those those people groups or those corporate places Mm -hmm. that are just going to pay me one check that is like the same (laughs) as a thousand customers. And that has happened. And Mm -hmm. That is way more easy to manage. It's the management part that mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure out. Well, and how wise, Therese, that you are like, okay, yes, we could do this, but we can't actually handle like the volume. So like we've got to like figure out, it's almost this balancing act of like, we got to get the infrastructure up to then have like the influx of clients. Um mm-hmm. Because if you can't serve those people well because your infrastructure is lacking, then like those people are going to have a bad experience. Like I've seen so many businesses that are like, we got a, I had a business a couple of years ago who they, we did ads for them and they got a ton of business, but people were so disappointed because it was almost too many people in their location that they started leaving bad reviews all the time. Uh, And so then we had like a reputation problem because suddenly they were like, well, let's keep the ads up because we want all this money. But these people were Mm -hmm. becoming repeat customers, um, which is a problem in itself. That is that is like the scariest thing for me, that if someone comes to the business and they have a bad experience, well, you know, they say if someone has a bad experience, they tell seven people. And if they have a good experience, they might not even tell one. Mm -hmm. it's that intense. So it's like, you know, I have gotten one or two bad reviews after three years and it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I I just, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes you realize it's their opinion. It's not anything you did wrong. It depends on Mm -hmm. what they're saying. If you're thinking like, crap, did I do something? Are they just not my target? Yeah. And that's like a good thing to know too. Um, So real, some, a few other quick questions. what has been like the most challenging part of building your business? Probably building a team, mm-hmm. hiring employees. That first one is always the hardest. And then right now, like I said, we we have four, but in total, I mean, we've gone, we've had a couple others that haven't worked mm-hmm. out or 
their circumstances didn't allow them to have this type of job. I would say that's the hardest part. It's the managing of, you know, all of the orders and now you're managing all the people. And it's like, you need them to, mm-hmm. this business would not, for anyone that thinks, oh, I just want to be a solopreneur, you know, power to you. I could not, could not be profitable if I was in the kitchen 60 hours a week. Mm-hmm. There's too many other things. Mm-hmm. So managing a team, I would say different work styles and personalities. Mm-hmm. I'm still figuring that out. I just hired my first employee. Um, it will be two years. It's a little over two years ago. Good for you. Yeah. And it, it's always going to be like a friend of a friend or someone that reaches out to you, maybe before you even think you need an employee. But then you'll be like, I really need employees. And sometimes <laughs> you need more help than even your employees can get. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> I just have a running list of people that have offered to work in the kitchen on a one-off basis. And that's mm-hmm. really awesome. Um that's that awesome. is probably the hardest part for me and all my small business owner friends mm-hmm. at at this point of the business. Mm-hmm. I'm hitting other challenges that right. are are way probably bigger, but they're temporary. I think managing mm-hmm. a team and the people in a business will always be the trickiest part to handle from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's that's great though. I mean, I do agree with you. There are some times where you're like, oh crap, I needed help like five five months ago. <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah. it took me too long um to actually get the help. Um so I'm curious, do you do you have people put together a charcuterie board for their interview? No, actually not <laughs> at all. I've never done that sometimes. So like I've I've used, you know, places like Indeed or just putting Instagram uh-huh. stuff out there. And the people that I've hired and I really have liked. Actually, three of the four did send me pictures, unprompted, sent me uh-huh. pictures of their boards. They applied and then they they followed up with uh-huh. an email. I was really impressed. And of course, they're at the top of my list. Uh-huh. Um, you really don't need to know how to make a board. You just need to know how to follow directions because it's like a Lego set. I mean, we put it, I have it so simply written where it's like 12 crackers, six ounces of grapes. So it's, you don't have to be that great. But if you do have that eye, you're able uh-huh. to figure things out if we, we run out of an ingredient. Well, the and there is a thing. If there is like an eye for a charcuterie board. I think I would love to say that I'm great at it, but I'm not. Like <laughs> It took me over a hundred boards to feel like I could do it in my sleep. Like if I would go a week without making one, I'd be like, why do I feel so rusty? But <laughs> there's a formula on like what goes on the board and what color it is and then okay. how much of each and where it's spread out. And that's why like I can look at you know, I'm Instagram and I can see, I can tell whose boards are whose. Hmm, that's if it, so if it's interesting. Like from my friends. Yeah. yeah. Everyone has a very unique style and it's an art. It, it's an art to make the board. It's mm-hmm. a business and a logic and a numbers thing to run it. Mm-hmm. It's different, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, um, charcuterie tips that you could share with people. Any? Oh, yeah. Don't oh, give yeah. Us your, you don't have to give away your secrets, but for those of us who love, Meat and cheese and crackers and grapes and all of the things. <laughs> yeah. Give us some tips. Okay. Well, this could go, this could be a big rabbit hole, but I'll try to keep it to my most simple tips that people don't realize is when you're making a board, you have to think of the color wheel and you have to think of design. So if anyone's a graphic designer or an interior designer, this is, you know, this is something that they would already know. But for example, if we're doing an orange, when I think about the color wheel, a color that looks good mm-hmm. with that is like a blue. So like maybe a blueberry or something like that. Those would mm-hmm. look good together. 
Mm-hmm. But like, if you're going to have something that's orange, like an orange, you'll want to have something orange on the opposing side of the board, like apricots or carrots or something that's the same color. So every color should have a balancing color on the other side. Like nothing, oh. nothing makes me quiver more than seeing a beautiful board. But then there's just like one chunk of one pile of raspberries and there's no other red thing on the board. It's such an eyesore and you don't even realize it. But there has to be a balance of there's green olives here. There needs to be green pickles on the other side to balance it out. That's that's the biggest thing that people don't realize. So, oh, I would have had no idea. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, when you're shopping at the store, you're like, oh, you know, I just I love strawberries. I love this. I love that. And then you have all these ingredients that don't really look good together. So I also do teach charcuterie classes. So if anyone's in the Madison area, check out the website. Um, But you'll, you'll be able to pick that up now that you, if you start looking at boards, like, oh, there's that color balance. for sure. I hope that that's the only thing that's wrong with mine. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) send me a pic. I'll rate it. I'll rate it. No, I'm never going to send you a picture. <laughs> like there's nobody, nobody should see them until it's eaten. So. Oh my gosh. Therese, <laughs> um, this is awesome. Uh, thanks for giving us like an insight into your world. Um, if people want to find you or find your classes, if they're local, how can they do that? The best place to go would be following Tricky Foods on Instagram. Uh, that's where everything's kind of at. I, we also have a Facebook page and a website, but you can get to all those things through the Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Therese, thank you. We really appreciate your time and even your tips on charcuterie. Yeah, thank you. It was great. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast episode. I'm so glad that you have. If you've enjoyed it as much as we have, I just ask you to subscribe so you know each time we have a new episode coming out. If you loved our podcast and want to give us a rating or a review, I promise we will read each and every one of them. A special shout out to our friend, Carson Childers, who is producing our podcast. We really appreciate him and all the hard work that he's done for us. Also, thanks to the Stratos team. They have been behind the scenes doing all of the graphic design, brainstorming, etc., etc. Really, this wouldn't be possible without them. I'm thankful for each and every one of you guys. Lastly, listener, we'll be back next week, and I hope you will be too. <laughs>